Hello everyone, welcome. This is Quantum Nurse and I am Grace Asagra, your Holistic Registered Nurse. Welcome to our audience. Thank you for joining me and thank you for joining Juana Castaneda, our special guest for today. Thanks so much, Juana. Thank you for coming. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited. <laughs> so I'm going to just remind our audience that all the information about Juana, who is our guest, will be at the bottom of the description. I will include that. So if you have any questions, concerns for Juana or for me, and you know, we, we will link you and connect you with us. So don't forget to just check the resources, okay? And so in, for today, we're going to talk about uh, belong to yourself and believe in yourself. Belong yeah. and believe in yourself. So that's a power topic. So let me just tell you a little bit about Juana and she, she could just tell us more as we carry our conversation. And this conversation is for all of you out there listening. So Juana Castanera is an advanced certified body talk practitioner. Her extensive training includes microcurrent biofeedback therapy, source point therapy, Reiki, access consciousness bars, linking awareness, intercellular communication, holographic kinetics, Raymond Grace's management of energy, intuitive healing, healing touch for animals, theta healing, back flower essence treatment, and doTERRA essential oils. She was born in Colombia and raised in Brazil. Juana now lives in Santa Rosa, California. She speaks English, Spanish, Portuguese, French, and Italian. <laughs> She's a member of the International Body Talk Association. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. I just love when I can introduce people with a lot of their languages because then I can imagine what goes on in their brain. You know, as far as I know, it's very healthy to speak more than one language. Yes. <laughs> and before, sorry, uh, I know I'm an, an I'm Asian American now, but there used to be a joke on what is the nationality of a person who just speaks one language. Do you know that? No. <laughs> Americans. <laughs> that was always like a joke that uh, the Americans, you know, the only, most Americans speak only one language. But I know that's changing um, nowadays in school. And of course, look at you, you're here, you're um, a mix of different cultures. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. With, with all your training and background, I believe what I wanted to ask first is how did you get into your work now? So tell, tell us the story. Okay, so the story is um, rather interesting. Um, let's see. Uh, I, my sister gifted me uh, a Vedic astrological reading uh, around 2009. And during the reading, the, the gentleman was all the way in India. And so there was a little bit of uh, delay. And during the reading, he was uh, encouraging me to study the healing arts. And I, I was told by my sister, because she's the eldest, to keep quiet and just to let him speak. So I just was curious inside my head, okay. Um, and then he told me body talk. He said that body talk was a modality that was really gaining in popularity and that was very powerful. And I'd never heard about it. And I was already pretty acquainted with a, you know, acupuncture, chiropractic, et cetera. And so I found it very strange. So I looked into it and I scheduled, the next day I scheduled a session with a practitioner uh, local and I was completely intrigued. I, I, my mind was blown. And so then I, I started studying body talk. That's and how, how I started. How come, how did your sister 
think of uh, gifting you that in that session? Um, I honestly, I, I never asked her. So my sister um, follows Ayurvedic medicine. So she has studied, you know, Ayurveda and uh, I guess somehow she learned about this gentleman in India who's a, a priest. And, and she, and honestly, when she offered it, I, I didn't want the session. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, it's okay. And she goes, no, I, I, it would be great. You know, uh, he's really amazing. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, but he knew my whole story wow. from my chart. He knew everything. When I got married, that I got, was to get divorced, you know, the connection that I had with my ex-husband, my jaw was on the floor. I, it was very surprising. Yeah. And your sister had uh, the experience also, right? Yes. But my sister is very, very private. Okay. So she never discussed Okay. what her experience was or what information she mm -hmm. got, she received from him. It, it was always a secret. So it was just about my experience. And then she gifted the same to my older brother. So he had a session. So the three of us had sessions with this gentleman. Are there only three of you in the family? Yes. Yeah, we're three children, right. That's a, that's a beautiful thing that uh, she gifted you I think we can assume that she believed the reading that she got was very reliable or else she would have never even thought of you nor your right. brother, right? And it's beautiful yeah. that, that you all received the gift. Uh, yeah. I always, um, lately I can see that many times the things that I may resist or may have a little doubt at first, but it's being gifted to me, um, is, are the things that I need for myself in that moment. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's wonderful. And uh, you've been doing all this work and you just combine all these modalities that you, know, that you have learned, correct? Basically, yeah. yes, yes. So we're both in the healing field and what is the most, what's the biggest challenge that you have when you're trying to help someone and especially emphasizing that each person, each client has that responsibility to own one's health? That's, that's the challenge is that they, you know, whatever suggestions I, or whatever comes in comes into the session intuitively because a lot of times um, I had one client that what came was that she needed to go boating that she needed to her and her husband had a boat but they never took advantage of sailing and and enjoying that it was always work 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 and so I encouraged her you need to take some time off and go boating with your husband or go enjoy uh, that hobby. And she had a lot of resistance. She wouldn't do it. And what she needed was to find, to do things that brought her joy. Okay. And, and when they resist like that, how, what's, what one way perhaps that you can um, facilitate so that they would have that uh, encouragement to, okay, make that one step. So, um, allowing them to see the benefit of, of what that might bring to them and, and helping them understand that taking that one step or taking that one action is really going to be able to uh, facilitate major healing for them. And that um, there's just so much I can do or any healer for that matter, or any practitioner, that at a certain point, they need to kind of alter, uh, you know, make a change. And sometimes it's just something very small, like going out sailing. Okay, yeah. 
Could, and when, when, when they think of that responsibility, um, do you tie it to anything that they can uh, really pull from themselves? You, you know, not just like depend on you or because yeah, you won't always be there, right? right. And sometimes they resist <laughs> listening to you. But how do you, you know, I'm, I'm asking the question in relation to our body's innate ability to heal. So when, what, how do we perhaps can express to them and can lead them that, okay, listen, our body really has an ability to heal. So t teach me. Um, so, well, it's really hard to know when a client is going to um, follow through. And sometimes when they leave my office, I, I really have no control over uh, what their understanding is. And I guess my, um, my approach is uh, to allow the client to deter, it's their life that that's when they're, they're gonna understand when they're gonna let go of the resistance. So I, I, don't, I don't really have an answer for you, Grace, because sometimes clients will understand and they'll do it and they'll come back and they're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. You know, how did you know to tell me about, you know, doing this or, or and some other clients, they're just, they're so stuck. Um, and maybe it takes them a year or two to get unstuck. And that's kind of on, on them to be able to do that. Is the body talk your primary tool? So let's say, give, give us a picture of if someone wants to call you or to have a session with you, what would be their first step other than reaching out for your email or making your phone? What would they expect on that day? And do you do it in person, online, or in? Yeah. So right now, um, so they, um, I, I get contacted. Usually they fill out the intake form. I spend some time looking at the intake form so I have an idea of who they are. I also have, um, I should update my bio. I have also added uh, human design to my um, toolkit. Uh, and I'll get their birth date, their time of birth and birth location. And I'll uh, run a chart, a human design chart, to see their energetic makeup and where they have challenges in their life. So I, and then I'll have a phone conversation with them. And I'll ask them specifically, what are you looking for? And we'll have a, a conversation. I'll explain to them how I work. And right now it's distance work here in California. Uh, we're still uh, distancing. Uh, there's still a lot of rules around uh, proximity and masks. So my in-person has now just become completely um, distance work. And, and when and those information, do do, they, do you need that before their session, or on I could, you know, I could do the session without that information, uh, but I feel that it's it's very helpful so that I know exactly what their their goal is, because sometimes the client has one idea of what they think they need, but in fact their body, their body mind is saying, no, she needs to work on X, Y, Z. So I always honor the body's, um, the priorities that I'm getting during the session, but knowing what exactly it is that they want, I can tie it in into the session so that, uh, you know, their conscious mind is satisfied as well. And it's not just, the subconscious. You, you know, I agree with that with you strongly when, you know, it, sometimes just like any of us, we say one thing, but maybe 
you know, something else is happening. And it's just nice to have that. Um, some you know, think sometimes that quiet moment or a, a, a sacred person, I call it person or a board where they can express themselves, they can talk about what they're thinking. And then before you know it, they themselves are answering their own queries, their own questions, their own confusion. Yeah, so that's where you, your healing comes very well. And so I wanted to add something, Grace. So one thing that I noticed that was also part of my path is that um, many of us are very disconnected. We live up here in the mind. We're always thinking, thinking, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to go there, oh, I, I should buy this, I should drink that, I should take this. And then, but we're not embodied, we're not really feeling in our body, especially those of us who've experienced trauma. So years ago, um, I started my healing journey actually around 1988, after my mother died of cancer. And so all of a sudden it's like, what I was 28, it was, what can I do to avoid getting cancer? That was, and so I started there, but I started with, okay, I need to eat organic. Okay, how about juicing? How about wheatgrass? How about the quality of my water? And so I just started with the food I was drinking and maybe sleep and exercise, but I hadn't really reached the emotional the mental emotional state. And so uh, when I reached to the place of the mental emotional bodies, that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I, I have been living up here somewhere and I haven't really been in my body feeling because I had all the emotional traumas, etc. And so when, when clients come, they're up here, information, the television, the internet, you know, uh, social media, you know, everyone telling them what to do. The government says one thing, the doctor says another thing, you know, this, uh, you know, figurehead says something else. And so they're always thinking, but they're never really in their body. And so they can't access the intelligence of their body. So that's why it's important to, you know, first you have to like bring them down into so that they can actually start feeling the feelings and what's actually going on in, inside the body. Other than your mother, have you been in such a condition where you've, you know, it's like you were in a deepest, in a, in the rabbit hole, or sometimes I imagine it as, not just a rabbit hole, like I was thrown into the well and it's with water, not an empty well. And then the water is rising in the afternoon and no one is going to help me. That I had moments like that. And I, I, unfortunately, I have, I've had many, many moments. So my mother, um, you know, she passed away at a very young age, 58. And uh, here in San Francisco, even though she was living in Brazil, she came up to the States for treatment. And so having that experience, and then uh, about 87, 90, about 12 years later in 1999, my father became ill with uh, seven brain tumors. And so taking care of him, uh, uh, caring for him 24 hours, 24 seven, with my other siblings because they came to help and then eventually he passed away um and then my brother um became sick with uh, cirrhosis of the liver an end-stage liver disease and hep c and that was about two years of caring for him uh and i don't know if you have any experience with liver disease uh but it is it's a million times worth worse than cancer because of the toxins that pass the blood-brain barrier and then the, the person is completely confused. It, I, was, I would fight with them every day. It was, it was a nightmare. And, and, but the good thing is 
uh, he was able to receive a transplant. And today, I think it's eight years since his transplant. And he's healthier than most people walking around. It's just, obviously, I've done a lot of work on him, but it's really impressive how well he's doing. Um, yeah, even the doctors, you know, are so proud of him. So. Wow, well, that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, did you say eight years? That's one, right? One, eight years? Yes, it's been eight years. He celebrated eight years in, in July. It was right after the 4th of July that he was transplanted. Uh, it took every ounce of energy that I had. And I know you talk a little bit about caregivers and it's caregivers are so underappreciated. And I mean, fortunately I was able to take some time off after he transplanted to recover. Uh, you know, it, yeah. So. Yeah. Those are hard and usually it's a challenge for even for them to survive past two years. I, if I remember the statistics, okay. Wow. That's, that, so in helping him, did, did he change some ways of his, uh, let's say of his eating or other lifestyle so that he could be as strong and make it to this eight year and maybe many more years? So all the little things that I learned through the years from, from myself, I started teaching him and showing him. Uh, I think one of, the, one of the best things is the fact that he cannot drink alcohol ever again. There's other restrictions. I think uh, pineapple is one of them. No, not pineapple. Uh, grapefruit and sushi. Those two things, those two he cannot eat, and alcohol. And uh, he used to love to drink wine. And you know, you have California wines, and and he he's mentioned it to me that he's so glad that he didn't get cancer, and that he got a liver transplant because now he he can't drink, and he's come to the conclusion that alcohol is toxic that it's a, it's a toxin and I tend to agree with him. Um, so no alcohol and then he exercises, he eats clean, he doesn't eat anything out of a box. He loves to cook so he's able to cook for himself and he cooks, he's a really good cook in fact and he loves to eat like most Portuguese people do. <laughs> I think most people love to eat. And so yes and, and uh, I've taught him many, many things about sleep and water and exercise. Yeah. Was he, oh, was his drinking uh, the main factor for him having that liver disease or something else? Something else. When he was young, you know, we're part of the baby boomers, love, you know, the hippie era. And so he did a lot of drugs growing up. Um, I'm not really privy to all the drugs he did, but, you know, he, he's told me he did. And then he started drinking. And so uh, the drugs and uh, the drinking and, and a lot of very fatty foods. So, you know, before all that. And, and then he got hep C, which I think is through the use of a needle. So... Uh, yeah, so he's he's very fortunate. I think he's got more than nine lives. Yeah, yeah, that's such a blessing. And I yes, you were very instrumental, and until now, you're very instrumental to him to his healing. And that's yes. yeah. Now, um, you um, work with who are your best clients that you work with? Like, who, who would be your dream person? to work with? So, um, so I really, uh, you know, we love all people, right? It's, but I like to work with women and women who have um, some experience in life. So uh, 
you know, suffering sometimes really creates or helps us become stronger and more motivated. Um, so women between 45 and 50 who have some life experience, uh, who maybe, um, you know, I had an experience in a cult. And so I'm creating a program to help others that, uh, that maybe haven't really dealt with all the emotion, the, all the emotional trauma around being in a cult. And there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. So, um, that's part of my, that's part of a program that I'm creating right now. Uh, but women, sometimes women in that age bracket feel like they're all washed up because everything is geared towards the young people. And, and what I find is women in that age bracket have a lot of wisdom, have a lot of experience, and there's still a lot that they can do uh, in their lives, that there's a lot that they can share uh, with others, whether it's the younger generation, however it is that they want to, um, that they want to contribute. Um, I'm, I'm 61. And in some respects, I feel that I'm just getting started. So women, you know, at, you know, 45, 50, they think that they're all washed up. Oh my gosh, you know, uh, my life's over. But I just think that we're just getting started. And the wisdom experience that we have is really valuable for the younger generation. Correct. I still remember when I turned 40 and I was in someone's party and then the lady was talking about, about her upcoming birthday. That was, and I didn't really know her as a friend. We just met at that party. And so her, her, my, my birthday was, on that day and then hers was like few days after but then when she learned that i was turning 40 she hugged me and she was so happy i said oh i'm so happy to see you and meet you then i said why because looking at you now i don't have to be scared to turn 40. <laughs> so i was like Oh, I made someone's day. So yeah, so then she just had to ask me what I do. So of course, like you, you right away take care of your body because that's something that is on our hands, you know, before solving other problems that I cannot control. I can't, I can't control the whole political system, economic system, but what I choose to buy, I can control. What I choose to put in my mouth, I can control. But I still remember that moment that she was so happy. And I did realize that some women are really scared to be at 30, at 40, at 50. So that was a good awakening for me also. <laughs> yes, yeah. It, it, it can really mess someone's head, you know. Yeah the thought, you know, that they're over the hill. You even see those balloons right at the supermarket, over the hill. <laughs> now, what, what, how did you end up in a cult? Like, well, you know, what, how do cults invite, subtly invite? Because I'm, I'm sure it's just a subtle and you may not even know you are joining a cult. Well, blame it on my brother. <laughs> he is he introduced me to this organization so um i grew up in a pretty dysfunctional family uh i don't think my parents did that on purpose i just think that they they really didn't know uh how to guide their children so uh, received very little guidance about life and about work and about you know, being an adult and how to get around. Uh, so I grew up in Brazil, you know, as a foreigner. So Brazil was, even though I grew up there, I, I, I knew Brazil as a kid, but I, I didn't really know about how to work and what I needed to do and didn't really have a lot of guidance. So when I came up to the United States, my father's American. So I came up here basically to, to work. Um, and, I was very disoriented here in the United States. I'm sure, Grace, you've probably had that same experience coming to America from the Philippines. Uh, I didn't understand how anything 
worked. And so I came to California to, to live with my brother after being a year in Boston. And um, he had joined this organization, this Buddhist organization. And I went to my first meeting and um, basically they're working for world peace. That's the whole concept. And I want world peace. So, wow, this, you know, what a great, and the people were wonderful, were wonderful. It was not, you know, many times we think of cults and we think of Scientology, we think of sexual abuse and, and rape and all these crazy stories. Nexium was in the news a couple of years ago and the branding of the women and all these things. The cult I joined didn't have any of that. It was very clean. I would, what I, call it it was very camouflaged so on the surface it did not look like a cult it looked like a uh, f uh, a buddhist philosophical organization to teach people about enlightenment and about changing your karma so uh there were no signs like oh my gosh strange things happening it was very very uh, very inviting and the people were wonderful. And that's how I joined. I, I was very confused about how to take care of myself in America, how to get a job. And my brother invited, said, you know, he'd been practicing for about six months and, I, and that's how it all started. And in fact, I was in it for about uh, over 30 years. And when I finally left, it wasn't because I had found out that it was a cult. It was because I was starting to feel uncomfortable. Like my, my world was getting smaller because all I did was do things within the organization. And I started noticing that I, it was very uncomfortable to talk to people that weren't in the cult. I didn't know how to talk to them. I didn't know how to be around people outside the organization. And that's why I left. And then it was only about five years later on the internet that I started doing searches about the organization. And that's when I found out that it was a cult. And that's when I went into shock because then I, I, then I was so much more ashamed and so much more. I was, I was furious at myself. I was raging. How could I have let this happen? How could I have spent so many years? And I started looking at it as I wasted my life. But then working with a coach, I, I was able to make a reframe. And okay, there was some not good things about my experience. But what were the good things about my experience? And that's what I started. I started journaling around all that. And then I, I came to the realization that I, even though it was a cult, I learned a lot. I grew a lot. And I was able to walk away having gained a lot. Because the efforts that I made, they're mine. You know, the, how I grew and how I challenged myself. And those are experiences that nobody can take away from me. So now I can laugh about it. Okay. <laughs> and, and but one thing that I realize is it is possible to get out of a cult or a some or any impact, anything that you one feels like uh, stuck and be uncomfortable, right? So yes. that, that's what you did. And uh, was your brother still there or he, he left before? Or, and um, did you share your feelings to your brother after? So as I was, just, it took me 10 years to leave because it was every day, yes, no, what do I do? Oh my gosh, my life is going to, go to hell and you know all these so when I was in the process what I decided to do was to keep it to myself I didn't want to influence anybody I didn't want 
this was my decision. I didn't want anybody telling me, oh no. So I kept it to myself. And what happened was shortly after that was when my brother got sick. And so from there, it was all the focus was on maintaining his health and making sure that he made his doctor appointments, that he was eating what he was supposed to eat and et cetera. Once he had the liver transplant, I, by that time I wasn't chanting, I wasn't practicing. After he got the liver transplant, that's when we started talking about it. So like I said, liver, liver disease creates what's called encephalopathy, which is, you know, the brain is too many toxins. So he couldn't think straight to do anything. I had to be with him 24 seven. Those were the instructions from the doctor. So after he got well and he got his transplant, that's when we started talking about it. And that's when I said, uh, I, I stopped practicing. And he said, you know, before I got sick, I also stopped practicing. So it was almost, we were on a parallel path, but without talking to each other. And so he stopped j just as well as I did. Well, I find it very interesting on how the sequence happened. Because I can even say that it seems like when your brother got sick, that was also your opportunity to be away from the practice and you focus on the caring and the love of here, you know, with, so it wasn't too, it, it, it's, it didn't become too violent when you had to, okay, let me stop doing this because this is really, it's, wow. And there's a lot of good lessons for us, for us in that, uh, yeah, like, like you, know, you know how they always say that the, when we're ready to really do something better, some, uh, something just more painful just comes in our life that pushes out. Yeah. Like, boom, there you are. No, you're not going to be here anymore. You had enough lesson in this section. So yeah. you move on. And then you, you now have also those tensor tools for spiritual evolution. That yeah. We want to share to our audience, so please. Oh my goodness, I didn't. I, I have some, but they're in the other room. So, um, do Whatever you, you have. sure, sure, I'll Perfect. keep you company. Yeah. Okay. Um, and this is really the one of the reasons why I wanted to invite Juana because she and I have similar things similar philosophies and to, to help whoever will come our way, okay? And so she's gonna show us in a, in a bit. And for those who can view us now, if you're listening in the Apple podcast, feel free, it will be in the YouTube as well. So you're gonna see what uh, Juana will share with us because it's, as she's talked earlier, it is important that you just don't focus on your physical self, but then start going deeper with your emotions, your mental habits, and now you go outside again, because that's what energy is all about. Back to Juana. Okay, so you're keeping track of time, right? Yes. Okay, so... Um... I find that I'm very, very fortunate that every time I need to make an upgrade in my life, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual, something, someone comes and shows me something new. It's just amazing. And so I'm very curious and I like to think outside the box. Um, I'm kind of adventurous. So, uh, oh man, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe over a year ago, a, uh, a friend that I met on the internet uh, who has a, a, a Tensor Tool store, he was talking about this pendant. And uh, 
so it's there's three rings they're copper rings and uh he was talking about how powerful this uh, this pendant tensor pe tool pendant was and so immediately my intuition perked up i'm like oh my gosh i don't understand what that's about but that's very intriguing and at the same time i was doing a lot of personal healing around um around emotional release and around dissociation that was one of kind of one of the difficulties i had all those years in the cult was I was always dissociating. So I wasn't really present to what was happening in my life. Anyway, so my friend tells me about the tensor tool and he tells me about the woman in Portugal who, um, who intuited the measurements uh, through some sacred texts. So these, each one of these, and, and I'm not sure I don't know all the information online, but each one of them has a specific measurement and they're, they're measured in cubits. And these cubit measurements are sourced in sacred books like Celtic books and Viking books. And they have certain um, energetic qualities. And he was telling me that they are very useful for kind of spiritual advancement. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, I need to get one of these things. <laughs> so I bought one, I received it, and I placed it on myself. And what I experienced, and this is personal, so it's very subjective. What I experienced was like a massive acceleration of releasing of old, old memories and old uh, emotional baggage that I had been carrying. And all of a sudden I was like on, on a roller coaster going like a thousand miles a minute, just in my ability to release. It was, it was really amazing. And so every morning I have my spiritual practice and I journal, I meditate, I do my gratitude, uh, you know, moments. And then I do a practice of emotional release. And what I noticed was like all the stuff just started coming out and uh, it was just an acceleration. So I, um, I'm really convinced that somehow these, because they create these energy, uh, pyramid, uh, energy like uh, vortexes where you, where it, it accelerates in the releasing of a lot of like memories that we have that are stuck in our DNA or, you know, in our tissues. And so that was the first thing that happened and blew me away because I didn't know anything about tensor tools. And then I, I decided to get this little thing, which is, um, it's, it's a sphere and and what this sphere does, sphere does, it, it helps to, uh, the radius is about two or three miles. It helps to maintain the, the energetic field two or three miles from my house. So to keep things clean, um, you know, to keep all my neighbors happy and nothing negative happening in my radius. And so, I just thought of this um, a couple of months ago, we had a lot of uh, demonstrations and protesting on the street, the whole BLM and uh, the Black Lives Matter and the, with the death of that gentleman with the police and all that. And so about three miles away, we had a lot of protesting, cops, uh, people getting injured, and it was in the news and it was pretty frightening, but nothing happened in my, in my, yeah. 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 Well, nowadays we need something like that. And the good thing when we individually 
take care of such a thing or use, use that tool to protect our biofield, it really protects also our neighbors because you know, yeah. the frequency does not end in one area. So it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so that because like the, the, the protest turns into a riot and we need some type of protection. Yeah. So I'll show another tool. This is uh, a tensor tool that goes on the the circuit breaker box. So here in California, we all have, most of us have, um, oh my gosh, the, the- Smart meters. The smart meters. So I have a smart meter on my house and I don't own the house, so it's on there. And uh, I have a smart meter cover that has helped somewhat. But I bought one of these and I just use scotch tape and tape it onto my, uh, the breaker box. And within 15 minutes, I could feel, I felt the change in the house. So before I, there, I could feel like this nervous energy because it's all the wiring in the house. And as soon as I placed this, everything kind of just settled in 15 minutes. It was amazing. So um, sleeping is, is beautiful. It doesn't matter how stressed out I might be because the energies in my house are so, they're so conducive to healing and to um, rejuvenating. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And I can imagine also what it does to our, brain function to our autonomic nervous system right. and goes to the limbic system and all these underlying in, you know, immune health system. So it's perfect. So you, it's good for our audience to know that you know, there are people like us who are ready to help, but there are also available tools that we can introduce them and in, uh, let them guide them in the right mindset. Okay, now how, if there is a young Juana listening to us right now, who is about to go into that organization or some type of organization, what would be your best advice? Oh my gosh, what would be my best advice? Um, I think at that time, and, and I guess that's my tag, belong to yourself, believe in yourself. So at, many of us are trying to believe in something and in someone. Someone's got the answer. Maybe it's the president. Maybe it's the spiritual leader. Maybe it's my, you know, this guy that I'm dating. They're going to solve my problems. They're going to make everything okay. Maybe if I get married. So we're always looking outside ourselves. And at that time, I didn't really, you know, I, I had already had knee surgery on both knees. Um, I, I, uh, I was like 60 pounds, 70 pounds overweight, you know, so I, I was fat and I had knee problems and I was afraid. So I wanted something to believe in. Tell me what I need to do to make my life okay. What can I do? How can, you know, show me. And so um, the message would be is, you know, go within. Start sourcing your own wisdom. Start, uh, you know, start getting to know yourself. Start trying to understand your, your triggers or trying to understand you and stop thinking that someone is going to help fix you. And that, that would be the message is start believing in yourself and that you can source, uh, you can find the things that you need, that you have wisdom, even though you're young, I was 23, but um, stop seeking outside, you know, someone's gonna save my life. That's the message. Fantastic. Now, for, how about you? Did you ever, you, do you remember what was the best advice that was given to you? 
Yes. And the, the advice is to live in the eternal moment of now. So when, when I first heard that, I realized I'm always living in the past, thinking about the things that happened, and I'm always worried about what's going to happen in the future. But I'm never in the present moment. I'm not like, what can I do now? What is the best action I can do now? And so when I started, so when you're living in the past, you're depressed. When you're living in the free future, you're anxious. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And how am I going to pay my bills? Or Now that I've started living in the now, I'm, I'm so present and I, and it's the, I'm able to know like what is the best use of my time. And I'm, I'm not so scattered because I used, I was diagnosed with PTSD when I was 50. So I was always very scattered and, uh, and now I'm always coming back like, okay, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow or whatever, or the deadline. I'm, what can I do now? And it, it's just, it's been magnificent. I think that's the best advice someone's ever given me. Thank you. Um, what makes this, your work so important? Oh my gosh. Um, I've always known that I'm here to be of service. And uh, I guess because of all the experiences that I've been through, I know um, how much people suffer. Um, I know how, how hard it is to find your grounding. And so I can really relate, you know, I, you know, losing my mother when I was 28 and then my father and just living here and there and always, uh, I, I really have an understanding of how difficult it can be just to, to live one day at a time. Yeah. Do you have any advice for our caregivers who may be caring for loved ones who have dementia or just like you did, you were caring for someone who have some liver disease and they're chronically stressed. Well, I have a friend in Florida right now who's caring for his mother and I keep, and financially he can afford it. I keep suggesting hire someone to help you. If you can afford to hire someone, maybe a couple of hours a day or something, uh, don't go it alone. Uh, I almost killed myself it, because I didn't know any better. Uh, whenever you have time, if you're caring for someone, never, whenever you have time, do something for yourself every day. Take a bubble bath or, or, or don't, Put bubbles, just take a bath or, you know, half an hour of meditation or go for a walk, but be sure that you care, that you take care of your own health. Because I know from reading the statistics that many times the caregiver becomes ill or sometimes even passes away before the sick person does. So, you know, you know, it's sometimes we're so selfish and in the end, we suffer so much. So um, don't go it alone and, and find ways of taking care of yourself. Yep. No man is an island, right? And the load is easier when someone else is asking us. Yeah, either we ask for help and also we have to welcome help. You know, yeah. I know some people have a difficulty of welcoming help. Okay, now where, where would we see you or what's going on in the next five, 10 years? Oh my gosh. Like I told you, I'm always living in the, in the moment of now. That must uh, be difficult to answer. Okay, let's cut it to five. Uh, oh, well, I'm hoping that my, that my work around uh, cult survivors or healing from spiritual abuse, I, ho I hope that that will be uh, widespread. I hope um, that I'll be able to reach more people in helping them actually believe in themselves and start sourcing their power from within. Uh, we're magnificent 
beings. We have, I mean, uh, we're very powerful. We've never learned how to access this power, how to really tap the resources that we have within, not only our own, but also from our ancestors. And so that's, I'm hoping that my message will be more mainstream. Thank you. How about your success secret? Anything you want to share it to us? Um, be authentic. Just be yourself. And warts and all, right? Be vulnerable. Show people that you're not perfect. And um, yeah, be authentic. And what makes you happy? Oh my gosh. I love nature. I love the sun. I love the ocean and the beach. I, you know, I grew up by the ocean so and tropical. Uh, I love mangoes and uh, you know, just the simple, the simple things. Um, uh, I love animals and being in nature. Uh, it doesn't take a lot for me to be happy. Oh, talking about that animal, because I love animals too. You, you do like a healing touch for animals, right? Yes. Okay. What's your best memory for that healing touch for the animals? So um, I, have a, I have a client that came in to see me uh, and her was her dog. Her dog was having a lot of, uh, uh, it was an older dog. So some arthritic issues and she came in for a series of um, we did a lot of release work it was a rescue so it had kind of baggage of uh, prior abuse etc and we did a series and uh, I you could in the series of sessions you could see like uh, the dog being able to release a lot of uh, pain points it was just really beautiful and then being able to run again and play again yeah, so that was really, so we were able to extend the dog's life. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. It's really nice to hear success stories like that without a lot of prescription and yes. other um, invasive procedures is also for animals. Thank you so much. And um, I'll t please tell the audience where we, they can reach you. Other than I'm going to put the information, but tell them now. Okay, so my website is Sonoma Energy Medicine. I'm on Facebook at Sonoma Energy Medicine and as well on Instagram. So you can follow me. Uh, oh, I do have a YouTube channel. It's rather new. This whole video thing is, is something that I'm, we're all getting used to, right? Being able to talk on camera and, and not stutter and make mistakes. So you can find me on YouTube. And if you're interested on YouTube, I have uh, an instructional video that you can watch. It'll teach you how to balance both hemispheres of the brain. Uh, it is called the cortices technique. It's a technique that we, in the body talk system that we teach everyone. And it is a technique that I implemented when I first started learning body talk that helped reverse dyslexia. So I suffered from dyslexia. I was a very poor student. It, I was, had a lot of difficulty with focus and concentration. And dyslexia was, it was a nightmare. But after doing the courtesy technique for a while, little by little, I reversed the dyslexia. So... You can go to my YouTube channel, Sonoma Energy Medicine, and find that YouTube uh, and start doing your courtesies every day. Oh, perfect. Maybe next time you could, uh, what, what's the shortest session for, or instruction for the people? Uh, it's, a, it's about four to five minutes, the, the, the video uh, to do your courtesies. And once you get the practice, you know, uh, it takes two, you three minutes. Do you want to do it now? Oh, okay. If we have time? Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. So you, you take one hand, closed fingers, and you place it at the bottom of your neck, right at, uh, your thumb right at the indent. And your, your hand serves as a connector between both of the hemispheres. And then you tap on your head with an open hand, 
open hand across both both hemispheres. So like that. And you take two breath cycles. So you breathe in and then you, you tap your head, your heart, because it's another brain. And then you tap your gut and you do two cycles. So breathe in and breathe out and breathe in and breathe out. And then you move your hand to the next position and you just, you just keep going until you've covered your entire uh, brain, your entire skull along the midline and uh, keep breathing. And so the focus is to bring both hemispheres into coherence and uh, keep moving along. And then I'm gonna show you, you're gonna get to your um, prefrontal lobe and right above your eyebrows. So all the way down into your eyebrows. So take a deep breath. So you were bringing them both into coherence. Okay, so that would be the midline. And then we take both hands and we're gonna do the limbic brain across the sides of our head, right above the ears. And so we just rest here for a couple of seconds and we breathe and we're connecting the emotional brain. And then we're gonna take one hand off and we're gonna tap, always breathing, always with deep inhalations. We're going to place it right back on and we're going to take the other hand. Most of the time I do my cortices technique with my eyes closed, but you can have them open. And then you just end with holding for a couple of seconds and then you release. So does it matter if you start with your left hand to tap or so as long as you just keep going yes they're, you're, they're you're both hands and so um doing the tech so uh as i said it brings your brain into balance and what has happened is uh, studies have been done that the left brain has grown a lot bigger than the right brain because most people are using their left brain the intellectual brain the detail brain more than they're using their creative. And so the, the left brain is getting bigger and it overrides the intuitive mind. So um, our intuition is a very important aspect of us. And if the left brain is always overriding our intuition, we're not really accessing the intuitive hits that we should be getting. So doing this technique bring, brings them both back into balance. Thank you so much. That, that was a perfect ending. And I usually end also with a quantum affirmation that I will share to our audience, but I, I, like, I like the way that we ending now for, you know. So, and I, I shuffle our quantum cards and with intention, I get one. And I saw today what I got for us wanted to share with our audience is abundance overflowing and i like to encourage them to um encourage you to say these three times uh and feel every word in the morning and say three times again at noon and three times in the evening yet this has helped me as well so abundance overflowing, overflowing. I reach out to receive the abundance that is overflowing in the universe. I am truly grateful for the many blessings I receive and the abundance that comes my way. I reach out to receive the abundance that is overflowing in the universe. I'm truly grateful for the many blessings I receive and the abundance that comes my way. I reach out to receive the abundance that is overflowing in the universe. I am truly grateful for the many blessings I receive and the abundance that comes my way. That's so, beautiful. Yeah, it's just perfect. Sometimes, you know, perfect what, what comes and I pick. And then 
Uh, so this is Quantum Nurse and I am Grace Asagra. Thank you for joining me and joining Juana Casanera and she's on the Facebook and in Instagram and in her YouTube and we'll post and we're offering um, I always offer a complimentary consultations, but just reach out. It could be for me, it could be with Juana, but just if you answer us when we ask you, can we help you? We're here to help you. And Mabalos, that's what I say in my language. And what's what does that mean? Thank you, Mabalos. And, and how do you say it in Portuguese? Obrigado. Obrigado. Sí. Yes. 